You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site and the fan side of network. Happy Tuesday, everybody, and I happy Victory Tuesday. This is the postgame podcast. The Timberwolves defeated the LA Clippers on Monday night by 18 points in LA, and uh, it snapped a three-game losing streak for Minnesota. Still no Carl Anthony Towns or D'Angelo Russell, but they got it done and they got it done with a pretty dynamic offense against a Clippers team that just did not look all that interested in competing on Monday night. So we'll break it all down on the show today. A couple of somewhat unexpected heroes had big games for Minnesota. And we also got to see Anthony Edwards kind of, um, you know, put together a couple of nice quarters towards the end of this one as well, which was good to see after he really struggled on Sunday against the Lakers. So it's all upcoming on the show today. Key takeaways, individual studs and duds, the whole thing. Uh, first of all, though, thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Of course, Lockdown Wolves is free and available everywhere. That includes YouTube now. Uh, so please subscribe there. Also, all your favorite audio platforms from Apple to Google, Spotify to the all new Odyssey app. You can find us there as well. And you can follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and just kind of start with, with just big picture. What happened to this game? Well, um, this thing started out really sloppy for both teams and it stayed sloppy for LA. Thankfully the wolves kind of pulled out of there for the most part. They're, they're massively, uh, a, a massively sloppy offense early in the game, especially. Um, and this thing was, was early in the game. Anthony Edwards really struggled turnovers again, which is exactly what happened against the Lakers on Sunday. Uh, we saw him turn the ball over four times in his first stint on the floor before he got taken out of the game on Sunday. Similar stuff on Tuesday. Uh, sloppy all-around play from Ant. Sloppy all-around play from Minnesota. But the Clippers just kept giving the ball back to the Timberwolves, throwing the ball out of bounds. Uh, that was kind of the biggest thing, stepping on the on the sideline. Um, just unforced errors galore for both teams, but especially for the Clippers. And the most frustrating thing was the Timberwolves simply couldn't take advantage. I mean, they had, I think the Clippers had like 10 turnovers. Some At some point in the second quarter, the Clippers had 10 turnovers. The Wolves only had seven points off turnovers. Um, they just were not taking advantage. Bad transition opportunities, really blown chances in three-on-two, four-on-three type situations in the open floor. Um, and still, at the same time, the Clippers were so bad that Minnesota was able to kind of slowly, incrementally build this lead. It was, it was five points at the end of the first quarter and grew throughout the second quarter. Minnesota ended up dropping 38 points in the second and took a big, uh, I mean, what was the halftime lead? It was 18 points by halftime. But again, it, it it wasn't as pretty as it as that margin sounds until very late in the second quarter. I thought it was really interesting. Some of the different lineup choices that Chris Finch went with, uh, obviously limited still, no D'Angelo Russell, no Carl Anthony Towns, still starting Malik Beasley, um, but now Torian Prince is back. Josh Kogi got rotation minutes. And uh, Jordan McLaughlin didn't. I mean, I I, I talked about on the postgame pod Monday show, um, I, I talked extensively about Jalen Noel, how I thought he should, A, get the opportunity to run the second team offense more instead of Jordan McLaughlin, and B, get the chance to play fourth quarter minutes if, if and when, which is most nights right now, Malik Beasley is off or isn't contributing anything besides shooting threes, right? And we saw both of those things. We'll talk a little bit more about the fourth quarter and, and Beasley versus Noel minutes here later in the show in the key takeaway segment. But 
Um, notably, McLaughlin was not part of the rotation. His four minutes played were garbage time. And Jalen Noel was essentially the de facto backup point guard in this game. And it mostly went well. And, and in the first half, at one point, we saw a lineup of Jalen Noel, Josh Akogi, Torian Prince, Jaden McDaniels, and Nas Reed. And then Nas came out, Nathan, er, Nate Knight came in. So Noel, Akogi, Prince, McDaniels, and Knight. Uh, we'll talk about Jaden McDaniels later. He ended up having a nice game. But that lineup is is completely devoid of anybody that can create their own offense except for Jalen Noel. Um, I mean, Josh Okogie doesn't do anything on offense. Torian Prince actually did a little bit of, of creation for himself in this game, was able to put the ball on the deck and score. But we haven't seen him do that with any consistency this year. And he's a spot of three-point shooter. Jaden McDaniels typically is not going to score uh, without some assistance. And Nas Reed, for the most part, as well. So there were some tenuous moments there where this was kind of late in the first, early in the second quarter where that lineup was out there and, and it didn't work all that well. But as the game went on, I think Noel became a little more comfortable and the rotation kind of even itself out a little bit. We saw Anthony Edwards out there with that group instead of a Kogi more as the game wore on. Um, in the first quarter, by the way, the Timberwolves, and we'll talk about the paint points and rebounding overall, but the Timberwolves, 20 of their 26 points in the first quarter came in the paint. They had zero free throw attempts. Um, by the way, there were no fouls at all in this game. Not a single foul called, not even a free throw, not not free throw attempts, no fouls called of any kind, uh, you know, shooting fouls or just any any personal fouls until the 129 mark of the first quarter. It was phenomenal to watch 10 and a half minutes of basketball with no fouls called. I mean, there were, there, I think there was a travel, obviously out of bounds calls, no fouls, no personal fouls called at all until the 129 mark of the first quarter. The Timberwolves did not have a free throw attempt until the 737 mark of the second quarter. So what is that? 16, almost 16 and a half minutes into the game before the Timberwolves got a free throw attempt. But yet they were scoring almost all of their points in the paint. And this wasn't a case of, hey, the refs aren't giving the Wolves the calls. This was simply the Clippers were playing complete laissez-faire defense. They were playing complete hands-off. They weren't really playing defense. They were allowing the Wolves to get what they wanted in the paint. They weren't contesting shots to the point that they weren't getting called for any fouls. I mean, how do you score 20 of your 26 points? How do you make 10 baskets in the paint in a quarter and not get a single foul call? Um, that's And again, it's not because of the officiating. I thought the officiating was mostly fine in this game. They let a lot of stuff go on both ends of the floor. But the Clippers were completely uninterested in, in actually contesting anything in the paint. And it didn't matter because they were mostly letting the Wolves get a bunch of easy buckets. But that also speaks to how frustrated it was that Minnesota had so many unforced errors in the first quarter and then late in the game as well uh, in the fourth quarter because the Clippers weren't actually really playing defense at all. I mean, obviously, Minnesota ended up scoring, what, 122 points in this game. Um, so all that to say, it was great watching the game with no whistles. Frustrating the Wolves couldn't take better advantage of the Clipper turnovers and the Clipper, you know, Matador defense. Um, but that was kind of the theme of the first half. And then as the game wore on, the Timberwolves had the big lead by halftime and they they extended it as high as 27 in the second half, ended up settling for an 18 point win. Uh, the Clippers played a little better in, in the four or five minutes of garbage time there at the end. Uh, but I want to get into some key takeaways here. I want to talk about Anthony Edwards, of course, Jalen Noel again. Jade McDaniels had a great game. Um, so we're going to get to all that here next, and I want to spend most of the show focusing on those key takeaways before we get to individual studs and duds. First, though, let's talk about our friends over at Truebill. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? 
It's a business scam that's out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply may have forgotten about. On average, people save up to $720 per year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in just one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so that you don't have to. Truebill has over 2 million users and helped save them over $100 million. Like Matthew B., for instance, who says, in a matter of seconds, I saved $660 for the year on my DirecTV bill, saved $120 for the year on my SiriusXM bill, and saved $840 a year on car insurance. Simply put, don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now to Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Could save you thousands a year Truebill.com slash locked on NBA. All right, let's talk key takeaways from this one. Um, let's start with Anthony Edwards. This was a tale of two halves for Anthony Edwards. We saw this a little bit in his first game back off the off the health and safety protocols list last week against the Jazz. Uh, he, for the most part, was okay offensively. Um, the other day, well, actually, no, that's not really true. He was inefficient uh, at times, okay, but mostly inefficient offensively against the Lakers on Sunday, but awful defensively. And uh, you know, turnovers were a big issue on Sunday. This was simply a tale of two halves. He had another really bad first half, uh, just just not not efficient offensively, sloppy turnover wise, poor defensively. But he was fantastic in the second half. I mean, he started to look like. The Anthony Edwards that we have, you know, the good version of Anthony Edwards that we've grown used to watching. And he ended up with a pretty nice game. This was just, it's, it really does seem like it's a conditioning thing and it's a getting back into the flow thing. And also he's playing with different guys. He hasn't really played with no Towns, no D'Angelo Russell very much. Obviously he did a little bit last year, but that was before, you know, that was 19 year old, barely in the starting lineup, Anthony Edwards, for the most part this year, I don't think he's had any games, maybe one there where there's could have been some overlap between Russell and Towns missing time earlier this year. Um, I, I think perhaps the one game in Brooklyn, uh, when D'Lo was out and Towns had the bruised tailbone after the game in Washington might've been the only game this year, just kind of off the top of my head where Ant would have played without them. Um, so, you know, played with different personnel, right? He's playing with Malik Beasley. He didn't play often with Malik Beasley, at any point this season. Um, obviously there was some overlap, but it's not a regular lineup combination that the Timberwolves go to. So it, it makes sense that there, it's going to take a minute for Ant to get back to where he had been. Uh, but this was overall a good performance for him. 28 points on 11 of 17, five of 10 outside the arc, his three point shot. He missed his first couple, had a couple ugly ones, but then it started to look really good. Still insane to me. He gets one free throw attempt in 33 minutes. And and he, again, is, is the one guy you could look at and say, he should have gotten to the line a couple more times because he just he's so strong. He fights through contact and he's so athletic that he can avoid contact. So he's athletic enough to get around the big contact. But if there's a little bit, he can get through it and he doesn't get the foul call. It's it's kind of a, a his his athleticism and strength is a bit of a curse when it comes to drawing fouls. But good to see Ant really turn it on in the second half and hopefully he can carry this over. Uh, into Wednesday's game when, when the Wolves get back to target center. But this was a good all-around performance overall. Uh, and again, a really kind of a tale of two halves for Anthony Edwards. 
Jaden McDaniels is who I want to spend the most time on. I've been pretty hard on Jaden. If you listen to the show regularly, there's guys who I feel like perhaps the narrative has gotten away from, from us a little bit. Uh, I'm speaking generally as an, as a Timberwolves community, um, Jaden McDaniels, there was so much hope because of how he played defensively for most of the year last year when he got into the rotation, the Scotty Pippen stuff was thrown around by Chris Finch, um, back in, I think August of this last year in the off season. And we saw him have a little bit of a, a quiet start to the year. He lost his spot in the starting rotation. I advocated for him to come off the bench anyway earlier this in the offseason. I thought it would be better to give him the opportunity to grow, to have to be forced to put the ball on the floor and create, to be forced to do something besides staying in the corner and be the fifth option, which is what the Wolves tried to get him to do at Las Vegas Summer League this past summer. And he did a pretty good job of in Summer League. Obviously a different animal, but that's what they asked him to do. And as a starter alongside Carl Anthony Towns and out there sharing a ball with Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns, um, I mean, there just isn't that opportunity necessarily uh, to, 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 to get a ton of shots or certainly to put the ball on the floor and be creative. That's not your role. Um, but we've seen him grow in confidence in these past few games. He had a couple of big games last week. I think it was the Boston game he played well in. I think even the Knicks game, he was okay when the Wolves as a whole really struggled offensively. Um but now all of a sudden, Jane McDaniels appears to have a legitimate, a legitimately high level of confidence in, in what he's doing on the floor, which I don't think that confidence and McDaniels and offense would ever be in the same sentence before. He's always been a good defender. He's had ups and downs, certainly, and, and at times he's looked otherworldly defensively and his length is just phenomenal in this game too. I mean, he shut down Reggie Jackson a handful of times. Um, he was by no means the only guy guarding Jackson, but Reggie Jackson had five points on nine shots in this game. And of course, in just 21 minutes as the game got away from LA pretty quickly, but um, he was a big part of what the Wolves did against Reggie Jackson, what they did defensively in this game. But Jaden had 18 points on just 10 shots, four of four or five outside the arc. And we're not typically going to see uh, CJ McDaniels go four or five outside the arc. I, I'm not sitting here thinking, oh man, he's going to be a 40% three-point shooting guy. No, it, it's it's just the fact that he was so confident to catch and shoot without hesitation. And this is something you, you had to, you know, if you regularly watch the Wolves and you watch this game, no doubt you notice this. Typically, there's a little bit of a double clutch. Uh, there's, a, do I, especially on the wing, do I put the ball on the floor? We even see this in the corner with Jaden where he's most comfortable but he didn't really hesitate in this game at all. He was letting it fly from everywhere. He had one really difficult contested contested three on the left wing. And I think the rest of his threes are all from the corner. Uh, no, I guess two were from the wings, one on each side of the floor and, and two from the corners. And no hesitation. Um, we saw him put the ball on the floor and score in this game. This was the Jaden McDaniels that needs to continue to exist when Carlton Towns and D'Angelo Russell come back. And I'm not saying a high usage. I mean, 10 shots in 29 minutes is not super high usage. Um, but I'm saying the confidence level, the ability to, uh, I mean, in this case, it was because the Wolves were simply moving the ball and he was the guy that was often open um, and he was being aggressive enough. But when Towns comes back, it's going to be because Towns is getting double teamed every time he catches the ball inside the arc and he's got to find the open guy. And Jaden McDaniels hasn't been making teams pay for much of his first year and a half in this league. And so teams are happy to double off of Jaden McDaniels. Um, they're obviously happy to double off Jaden Jared Vanderbilt and the Wolves typically put him in a different spot than they do with Jaden. Um, but a guy like Jaden McDaniels has to be able to let it fly with confidence and has to be able to shoot in that, you know, 30 worst case, 34 to 37%, 38% range. Um, I guess there's a big difference there, but 34 to 35%, just, you know, 
kind of approaching that league average mark so that teams have to at least know he's there and he's athletic enough that he can make them pay with a pump fake and a drive to the rim or if he just cuts he can get to the rim from the from the arc you know on a on a backdoor cut very quickly with his length and athleticism this is the type of game if he can carry this confidence into the rest of the season and and hopefully into the playoffs then coming off the bench if you can bring Jade McDaniel's Jalen Noel uh, maybe it's Malik Beasley, probably Malik Beasley back off the bench. Some of these guys that have gained confidence during this period of time that have been asked to do some more things outside of their comfort zone, whether it's spot up shooting or whether he's being asked to do something, you know, initiate a little bit with the second unit. Jade McDaniels is somebody who who really, really could benefit uh, from these games that that he's been forced to play with no Towns and no Russell um, as, as perhaps the main silver lining here. Obviously, Jalen Noel uh, jumps off the page, but I don't I haven't really been surprised by anything Jalen Noel's done. I, I think we've known he can do this stuff when given the opportunity. Jade McDaniels has never really shown this level of confidence in his offensive game since he's been in the NBA. And he didn't really show it for much of, of his his only year at Washington either, at least in Pac-12 conference play. Uh this is this is a level of offensive confidence and skill set that we we felt like maybe he could have, but haven't seen to this point. And this is really encouraging. I also, notably, the Clippers tried playing zone a couple times in the first half. They went to it a lot more in the third quarter. And the Wolves were able to burn them because of, really, mostly Jaden McDaniels and also Torian Prince knocking down open shots. And those are the same guys that I've spent all year saying, if the Wolves could make open three-pointers, they would be really, really hard to stop. And I know a lot of teams could say that, but like when when they're really good at the other stuff, which is Carl Anthony Towns dominating in the paint, uh, dominating really anywhere he touches the ball. D'Angelo Russell doing his stuff. Anthony Edwards occasionally having a massive game. And and those three being able to score it in all the different ways that they do, the biggest issue offensively has just been making the open three-point attempts. And I've talked at, at, at length about this all year long. This, this is what happens when you can make the open three-point attempts. You can overcome 17 turnovers. You can overcome um, just a, a generally sloppy game. But if you make 16 threes and you can shoot 36% even, which is above their league average or above their season average from outside the arc, you're going to put yourself in a position to win the game. Um, so Torian Prince, Jade McDaniels, we're not always going to see those guys combined to go six of nine from outside the arc. Uh, we're usually not. But if they can be in that neighborhood, if they can be dangerous enough to make defenses pay for going zone against the Wolves or double teaming Carl Anthony Towns, uh, then t- the Timberwolves are going to be a pretty good spot. All right, last key takeaway. I really liked the the Jalen Noel-Jared Vanderbilt combination. Now, this wasn't Jalen Noel's best game. He wasn't super efficient, and, and we're going to see that from him sometimes with the way that he plays. Um, but I thought that the combination of, of Jalen Noel and Jared Vanderbilt, I really like it. Um, and I've said this before, I think Noel's kind of a combination the way if it's a little bit of a crude comparison, but think Anthony Edwards, you know, bulldog trying to get to the rim, but also the kind of the touch and the willingness to shoot from the mid range of a D'Angelo Russell and also the, a little bit of more creativity, more like a D'Lo, uh, when he, when he decides he wants to pass it. And that mentality I think is more like D'Lo where he can pass it, but he'd rather score it. Um, it's somewhere of a cross between D'Lo and Edwards. And it's really fascinating to me. I think his ability to to get into the paint, to score, to be a relatively high usage yet still often efficient player fits well with Jared Vanderbilt and also his creativity, his ability to find Vando in pick and roll game and also just at, you know, finding him in the dunker spot if he gets in trouble driving to the paint. And Noel is a high usage guy. He's going to miss some shots uh, from the mid range. And those are rebounds that Jared Vanderbilt can clean up really effectively in the paint. 
as an offensive rebounder. I, I like the pairing. I like that we got to see a lot of it in this game. Notably, in the second half, Malik Beasley played the first 11 minutes of the third quarter and didn't see the floor again the rest of the game. Now, the Wolves had a 20-ish point lead at that point when he came out, so that, I'm sure, played into it. But, I mean, Anthony Edwards was on the court in the fourth quarter, and and who knows? I mean, that could have been just because of reconditioning and all that stuff. So I'm sure that it was more parts, Chris Finch getting Beasley some rest, right? You know, seeing if we can keep Noel's hot hand going. And, you know, when Ant is playing to keep up the conditioning and all that stuff, there's probably other reasons. But I thought it was notable that Beasley came out of the game with a little over a minute left in the third quarter, didn't see the court again. And Jalen Noel ended up playing 28 minutes. He was on the floor during garbage time, so that plays into it too. But still, I thought it was an interesting decision and, and uh, important to, uh, to to note that that happened. Uh, but solid minutes from Noel overall in this game. Really good to see him play those minutes with Jared Vanderbilt. I think that pairing is something special. We'll talk more about Pat Bev here in the next segment, but he had an intriguing game as well. And I like watching Beverly and Jalen Noel together in the backcourt. I think their skill sets play together nicely as well. All right, uh, let's go ahead and get to individual studs and duds next here. Uh, so we're, we're going uh, to do that now. All right, individual studs and duds from this one. Um, Number one for me, if we're looking at studs from this game, has to be Jaden McDaniels. Jaden McDaniels had 18 points in 29 minutes, seven of 10 shooting, four of five on three-point attempts. Phenomenal efficiency, again, from a guy who we haven't seen that from very often. And uh, three rebounds, three assists, only one turnover in this game. He was a plus 18 off the bench in 29 minutes for Minnesota. And really good defensively. I mentioned this earlier, but on Reggie Jackson primarily, um, but also really anybody he guarded in this game, he he did a good job. Um, the Lake, or excuse me, the Clippers starters were not effective at all. I mean, Eric Bledsoe had one point in 22 minutes. Reggie Jackson had five. They combined to shoot two of 12 from the field and one of eight from outside the arc and have nine turnovers compared to just six assists. Now, the turnovers, I mentioned this earlier, weren't exactly, I mean, the Wolves turned turn teams over at a higher rate than any other defense in the league. But, I mean, the Clippers committed 20 turnovers. The Wolves only had nine steals. It's not a perfect, you know, I'm not saying that there were 11 unforced turnovers, but there were a lot of step out of bounds or a lot of, of wild passes and, and things of that nature from the Clippers. Still, Jaden McDaniels was a big part of what the Wolves did defensively. Um, so great game for McDaniels. Number two, I have to give to Torian Prince. Um, in the middle of the game, when this thing was not a blowout, and the Clippers actually at one point early in the fourth, I think it was, trimmed it to like 12 or 13 after it had been over well over 20 points. Torian Prince was a big part of calming this down. He had a big second quarter, big third quarter. Uh, he had 17 points on seven of 10 shooting, two of four outside the arc. Um, he was one on one at the line, four rebounds, three assists, two steals and a block for Torian Prince in this game. Uh, just two turnovers in 23 minutes. I mean, for him to have a 17-4-3-2 with a block in 23 minutes, that's a really stacked box score line um, that that we don't often see from Torian Prince. Or we certainly haven't seen from him in a Timberwolves uniform. And he was aggressive. I criticized him earlier this year for being a little too aggressive off the bounce as uh, somebody who the Wolves really just need to be a 3-and-D type player. Um, he was aggressive offensively in this game and was good. I mean, it's not something I think we want to see every night, but he gave the Wolves what they needed when they needed it. And hopefully now he's, after being on the COVID list for a while, got his legs back underneath him and and perhaps has fresh legs now and, and is in that sweet spot where he's he's reconditioned, but he's fresh. And he's now very likely earned himself a rotation spot. Although it's going to be tricky 
trying to figure out how these spots all all shake out now that D'Lo and Towns come back. Obviously, Jalen Noel has earned some minutes. Malik Beasley's not going to get benched, um, and you've obviously still got Patrick Beverly. Uh, you know, some of these other guys you want, you uh, need to get minutes. But Torian Prince is just making things more difficult for for Chris Finch here moving forward in a, in a good way. Uh, third stud for this game have to go with Anthony Edwards because of how good he was third and fourth quarter as the Wolves were were really trying to put the game away. 28 points on 17 shots. We'll take that any night of the week from Ant. 11 of 17 shooting, 5 of 10 outside the arc. Again, just the one free throw attempt in 33 minutes is disappointing, but not all his fault. Uh, four assists, two rebounds, one steal, one block. He did have four turnovers, but this was a good, solid game from Anthony Edwards. I do also want to call it Jared Vanderbilt. Uh, he didn't have gaudy numbers in this game, eight points, nine rebounds, but he was really, really good. Uh, four of seven shooting. One of his shot attempts was a desperation three-point heave near the end of the shot clock. He maybe was a couple seconds early. I think he was pretty eager to launch a desperation three-pointer from from straight away instead of you know, all of Vando's three point attempts come from the corners. This was uh this was probably 28 feet away and uh, he probably could have passed it one more time, but uh, we'll, we'll give him a pass on that one. Um, and he was, you know, right place, right time constantly in this game. Like we're used to seeing from him. He was a game high plus 27 in the plus minus column, which of course never tells the whole story. Uh, and, and there's obvious caveats there, but this was a really good 8.9 rebound game. Also, zero turnovers and no fouls committed in 28 minutes for what that's worth. This was a low foul game in general, but a really solid all-around game for Jared Vanderbilt as well. Duds in this game. Um, tough to tough to to pin one down because the Wolves played well overall. Uh, there wasn't anything that was too egregious. Uh, I mean, Josh Rico get a little bit of a rough go of it. He hit a three-pointer in uh, in garbage time to kind of salvage his game. But offensively, he bricked a couple of threes when the Clippers were in zone. And he was part of that, that uh, punch list lineup in the late first quarter, early second quarter for Minnesota. He did have three turnovers in just 11 minutes. Not a great game from Josh. And also Malik Beasley. He did hit three threes and at one point looked like he was really in a rhythm. But kind of the story of the season for him. I mean, he's four of 10 shooting. 11 points in 20 minutes, just kind of a meh game from, from Beasley, which again, we've seen a lot of that from him this year. Uh, Jalen Noel had a weird game. I mean, he had eight points, six rebounds, five assists, but he was 0 of six outside the arc and had three turnovers. So the line looks good. He was asked to do a lot as the backup point guard and initiate offense. And and that didn't go as well. Um, but not a dud worthy performance. I thought it was a generally decent performance from Jalen Noel. Uh, it just wasn't quite what we saw the other night. Um, or I guess, yeah, the Lakers game and also the Boston game last week. Um, that's pretty much it. I mean, I mean, this was a, this was a good win. It was a beatable Clippers team. The Wolves were three point underdogs. I thought this was a game the Wolves easily could win because of, of the Clippers, obviously no Paul George, no Kawhi Leonard, uh, lots of guys. If it's a Zubats, uh, Isaiah Hartenstein, Luke Kennard, all those guys are out rotation guys, starters for the Clippers. Of course, no Carl Anthony Towns, no D'Angelo Russell for the Wolves and second night of a back-to-back on the road, which is why the Wolves were underdogs. So this was this was a good performance. As sloppy as it was at times, the Wolves simply were less sloppy than the Clippers, made more open threes when they needed to, controlled the paint on the glass, uh, controlled the glass and controlled the paint in general, um, and, and you know pulled away when they needed to in the second half. So I, I was generally happy with, with how this game shook out for Minnesota. So much better in the effort department than what we saw on Sunday in the same building against the Lakers. Uh, so that was, uh, that was overall a positive showing. Minnesota goes back home to take on the Oklahoma City Thunder on Wednesday. The Thunder are in the second 
to uh, second to the bottom spot in the Western Conference. So obviously a winnable game. Somehow it's the first time the Wolves have seen the Thunder this year. The only the last team the Wolves will have faced uh, or the, the only team the Wolves haven't faced in the Western Conference. So they'll they'll be at Target Center on Wednesday against the Thunder and then Oklahoma City comes or the Wolves go to Oklahoma City on Friday for the home and home to take on the Thunder twice in three days. Uh, so it'll be fun to see Josh Giddy and, and uh, the Thunder at Target Center on Wednesday. All right, that's all I have for you today on the show. Thanks once again for listening to Locked on Wolves, and thank you for making Locked on Wolves your first listen each and every day. Of course, the show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all your favorite audio platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, and, and the all-new Odyssey app. You can also follow on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves and at B-Beacon with two Bs, two Es, C-K-E-N. Thanks again for listening to Locked On Wolves, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked On Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.